0: Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well being.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Steak. We're very fortunate to have Jonathan Cox, the founder and CEO of Grow Next Door. We'll be talking to Jonathan about urban farming. Welcome, Jonathan.
0: Hey, I'm glad to be here. Nice to officially meet you guys.
1: Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, As I said, we were talking about urban farming. And I was wondering if maybe you can tell us a little bit about Grow Next Door and where did the idea come from and maybe a little bit of information about, you know, the um, urban type of farming that you guys do.
0: Yeah, so originally the idea actually came from my initial exposure to urban farming. Um, Cynthia Schaefer, um, she's actually been a pretty advent urban farmer for, I believe, a little over a decade or a couple of decades down here in Davie, South Florida. And I actually went to her first, uh, her home installation, her, her aquaculture, and um, I saw a lot of efficiencies there, but just brought into the average home, like in a suburban house, that I saw could be replicated uh, elsewhere. But there was no technology, or there was no network, there was no infrastructure to scale that up. And it was the first seed, the first brainchild that got me thinking, like, why, why are we going to the grocery stores? Like, why? what's the inefficiencies that are apparent in every aspect of our society, but food kind of stuck with me as I progressed throughout my um, technological um, career, as well as my artistic career. So w- when I eventually transitioned from being a computer programmer, that's that's my background. I, my first exposure to programming was in high school, I went to a technical center mm-hmm. and um, I pursued uh, computer science and mathematics at FIU. Um, I pursued my double major. And during that time I was working as a software developer but I, I found that even with that, I wanted to also flex my creative ability to my artistry because, you know, being programmatic is very, um, I forget if it's either left brain or right brain, but it's very technical. <laughs> um, so I needed something to balance that out. And I picked up a camera and that allowed me to build my social network. Fast forward a couple months, even a couple years, I'm just really skimming along the lines. I was, fortunate enough to link up with my old business partner, Marcus Duchesne. And Mm -hmm. he introduced me to the food scene. And I just want to tell you all this to kind of like paint a picture of like Mm -hmm. everything that kind of just got added to the smorgasbord of like, okay, well technology, okay. Artistry, people, Mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. And it kind of boiled down to when we first got introduced to the urban farming Institute in Oakland park, Um, John Albee. He's a eight year old uh, gentleman there. He's the director. He runs an extensive nonprofit where he pretty much trains people in the local Davie area, um, in the local Oakland area, rather, um, how to grow food and their raised beds, but also how to do things hydroponically. And he has a course, and we learned a lot about how to maximize high food production within a small scale. And Mm -hmm. that's where we're at right now, trying to take it up another notch.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that, because I can definitely, talking to people over the years and meeting people understand that there's many of us involved in the you know food system that perhaps didn't grow in a farm uh, didn't grow up you know farming or knowing people who actually farm and then go to school some people do go and, and you know get degrees in agriculture others do not but a lot of the things that we're learning over the years uh, especially in your particular case you're bringing a lot of that knowledge a lot of that artistic background into your job and to grow next door and sort of the urban farming system and applying it. And that's really, really interesting.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I think it's also my strong suit, honestly, because I wasn't immersed into farming initially because it allowed me to really ask the question, why um, in my artistic? That tip that I was able to flex that photography tip, that creative tip, um, being an artist, you always have to put yourself into the mind of a babe and ask why, well, why is this that way? Um, if I were to just have picked up farming and gone to a post-secondary education and just pretty much trained into rigid farming standards, then I believe I would have just made a lot of assumptions when Mm -hmm. now I've been kind of like thrown into the deep end with very little farming experience initially, Mm -hmm. but through the help and the pretty much the assistance of a lot of the people in the farming community, I've been Mm -hmm. able to put pieces together to create something new.
1: And and a lot of what we're seeing, and in fact, part of the reason why we wanted to talk to you is that, with, especially down in South Florida and a lot of places uh, in the state and throughout the country, people who are interested in you know, having a better diet or perhaps uh, meeting a need where people don't have access to healthy food, especially in the cities, to realize that there are opportunities. You don't have to go out into the rural country areas to grow food. You can do that in the cities. And that's really what we're seeing, that there's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of different people involved in urban agriculture and doing really you know, great things and even applying either knowledge, as we were saying, from their things that they have a background in, not necessarily always agriculture, but those that do see that there are opportunities to grow food in the cities.
0: Yeah, I agree. It simply put, fresh food will always be king. And mm-hmm. I feel like with our current distribution model, if we're thinking about short-term is highly inefficient. You have a certain percentage of loss when it comes to uh, just transporting cargo, um, loss of nutrients, and um, the ripeness of certain fruits and vegetables when they're when they're moved across state lines, if not inside state lines, um, hundreds of miles usually. Mm-hmm. And long term, if we think about the environmental ramifications of how we how our entire food ecosystem, our whole food logistical ecosystem is run, um, heavy fossil fuels, heavy reliance on transportation. Um, where 50 years, 60 years down the future, we don't know if this is going to be completely sustainable. And you know, that's just considering just moving the product. Growing is a whole different thing in itself. America's soil health is in crisis, and mm-hmm. a country without good soil is is a country that's just prone to economic disaster. I don't want to like <laughs> pre- you know preach you know the devil's gospel, but like, <laughs> we can we can hark uh, back to 100 years ago, 1920s, the Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and during that same time we also had the great depression so right now it's like i believe other people are rising up especially with you know the shock to the the whole food chain during COVID 19 where stores where you couldn't get food and walmart uh, like the grocery stores were all all packed and Mm -hmm. there was nothing on the shelves and there's just a lot of unrest and a lot of fear and that's kind of just perpetuated throughout many aspects of our society i'm just one linchpin and a whole sea of other people are probably waking up to the fact like, okay, well we as a species we need to adapt. Mm -hmm. And this is this is the first step to that.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like that you are really looking at all these problems that you know we're facing when it comes to growing food, whether we're growing it in once again the rural areas, uh problems with soil, climate, you name it, uh distribution, and then trying to find solutions that can be applied to an urban setting. Uh, What are some of the other challenges that you have in the years that you've been with Grow Next Door that you're currently addressing?
0: So what I have in mind is pretty much leveraging um, the abundancies that certain people may have and then stitching that together and kind of creating something out of nothing. Let me me explain that. So what we're trying to do is connect landowners. What we are doing is connecting landowners and land developers, private landowners who have utilized land um, with people or workforce an independent business owner workforce that is interested in making residual income opportunities for themselves, putting them together, um, and then distributing the product that they create to provide fresh food access to small businesses. So that's like restaurants, mom and pop shops, um, meal preppers, local chefs, people who just want a democratic way to be connected to their farmers. And I don't think that there's a network um, like that pre-existing whenever we have to get like just you know run with me with this so if we were to put ourselves into the mind of like a local chef or local meal prepper they're not going to go to five different farmers tracking them down and they're already the farmers already busy as is they're trying to like make the ends meet and then they're not going to try like always at the same time work with their shifting inventory there's no data aggregation there's no way to to manage all of those moving products um and there's no consolidated manner to distribute it at the same time. You'd have to make five different calls just to fulfill like one solid order for for a week. Um, what we're doing is trying to what well, we are developing systems in place to allow people who have the demand, those chefs, to pretty much say, "Hey, we want this. We want to be able to pay this, and we want the best quality possible." And we fulfill that quality by finding this scenario, this this whole. Ecosystem that we're creating economically, where it's an economic incentive for the landowner if they want to mitigate the property tax. They also get a residual um, income from whatever food is being grown from the farmer. The farmer no longer has to go out to, you know, say, a homestead or in the middle of those rural areas like we were talking about earlier and have to invest hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to have a, a running farm installation. They could just work on a micro farm. Mm -hmm. Um, They could work on many micro farms Mm -hmm. and then we just move that product. We Mm -hmm. provide them with the materials if need be. We can lease the towers that um, they use hydroponically Mm -hmm. or they could just buy it outright. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's all very modular where it's like we don't want anybody to pretty much give handouts. We're not asking for handouts. Everyone comes in with um, whatever they see fit in the terms of, okay, if that landowner doesn't want that farm to work on that property, they need to sell the land. We could just pick up and move. But it's all based on fairness, and we're just trying to create equity and equality between people who want to work, mm-hmm. um, people who want to make their land work for them, mm-hmm. and us who wants to feed people good food.
1: So th- this farm network uh, or, or network of farmers, how many farmers do you deal currently um, interact with?
0: I currently have about two to three. One is, um, his name is Quinn Meteor. He is our first uh, urban farmer. He's pretty much my go-to guy when it comes to compost. Um mm-hmm he's the very definition of what an urban farmer in my mind should be very inquisitive Mm -hmm. um, works well with kids um, very a part of active programs he has his own program called miami compost Mm -hmm. where him and his his partner soul andrea she pretty much helps us um, create our seedlings for hydroponics they're learning along as we learn um, and we try to create a company culture of education, where it's like, we're doing a lot of experimentation, finding out what nutrients works best. And they're along with that journey and we're documenting everything. It's Mm -hmm. all about collecting data and finding the best way to make this work. Mm -hmm. Another farmer of mine is um, Martel. He's a Jamaican farmer. He's been working in a family of farmers for about, I believe a little over a decade in Mm -hmm. Davie. Mm -hmm. Um, They're on a 26 acre farm and he's running our first hydroponic installation. Mm -hmm. And technically I'm the third farmer. We just recently had a, a amazing opportunity to work on ten acres on North Homestead, and this just literally just happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to see what happens with that. They already have mm-hmm. active um, guava trees. The mm-hmm. landowners are perfect, you know, case study of what our landowner mm-hmm. would be like. Somebody who has land access, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. I I can't do this. Like I have right. other things to run. Um, can you do something with this? I'm like, okay, well, yeah, this is a this is an empty canvas for me to you know paint on, just like photography, just like my artistry. Let me see what I can do here. And with that, we hope to pretty much install 400 or so towers that can yield about 8,000 to 10,000 units of produce within the you know 12 to 14 cycle.
1: So these towers are the uh, typical, I guess you know, for our listeners, I think in some people know them as vertical or or uh, actual um, containers that are stacked. Vertically, correct? Yeah. And that where you can grow crops like strawberries and some other, you know, maybe leafy greens and things like that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We we work extensively with VertiGrow. I'm actually in contact with, the, I believe, their sales rep or their owner, and they're very about what we're doing with this distributed business model. I strongly believe that VertiGrow is actually a first step amongst many in mm-hmm. innovation, mm-hmm. Um, because when we're talking about growing food, we're just talking about utilizing space to most efficient manner. One versus, you know, five towers or not five towers, five pots stacked on top of each other. Maybe it's a trellis along a, a wall. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's utilizing a roof in a different way. It's all mm-hmm. just a different way to utilize sunshine that's hitting on a square foot or a cubic foot of surface area. If you can tap into the abundance and then stitch it together through technology, as well as create education and a network for people to be more intentional with their space, mm-hmm. then the possibilities are endless. You're, so- you're literally talking about the future at that point.
1: Yeah, and, and so how long has grown uh, grow next door been around? A little over a year, and and you guys are very fairly new, but already t- doing quite a bit from our conversation. And sounds like looking to continually to expand, continually work with farmers, you know, urban farmers in South Florida. So, what are some of the other things then, uh, since you guys have been just now uh, a little bit over a year starting this, that you would maybe recommend to people who are also interested in other parts of the state, starting urban farm systems?
0: Honestly, just tap in with your community. The more hands, the better. I've been blessed to uh, have a community of, honestly, people of color who want to get into farming. But there has been an organized effort besides nonprofits to really facilitate that on a larger scale. Um, I believe that technology is the key. We have to be able to tap in and come together. and You can only do so much on Facebook groups and uh, messenger group chats or WhatsApps. You can send pictures to each other. Yeah, you can always ask for advice, but there has to be a way to tap into all those abundances and we're creating it as we speak. We have a mobile application that's going to be coming out hopefully by the end of this year. It's been a work in progress. And it's really just been a a parallel journey of finding out exactly what we need as active working farmers um, to be able to distill into a technology framework that we can then utilize to pretty much tie in our inventory, our shifting, expiring inventory, uh, shifting incoming demand, um, those wholesale invoices, those retail invoices that we were talking about earlier from local chefs and and local foodies.
1: there's three of you that are part of Grow Next Door in terms of the number of farmers, uh, people growing food. What about consumers? What is the sort of currently the communities or places where people can buy and you know the the crops and the food that you guys are growing?
0: So I've been very diligent on taking things really slow. When we first started during COVID nineteen, it was uh, our first incentive was to just get food out there. We mm-hmm. couldn't of small farmers and we pretty much sold their produce through us to mm-hmm. people in the high-rise cities, um, South Beach, mm-hmm. Oracle, Aventura, and we did direct-to-consumer in that way through our refrigerated van, but we quickly realized that we need to get into production ourselves. We were moving a lot, doing a lot, and then we had to slow down, retool, rethink, mm-hmm. rebuild and now mm-hmm. we're in a different direction. We have a lot of expressed demand from a lot of different local farmers. We're part of this um accelerator program called FAU Tech Runway that actually helped us really nail down on exactly who our market demographic is. Mm-hmm. We have over two dozen um, local meal preppers, local restaurants, local food trucks that have expressed interest and have given us what exactly their product SKUs are looking like from larger not monopoly entities like Whole Foods or U.S. Foods. They're mainly going after like fresh herbs, fresh fruits. And we can definitely provide that. It's just a matter of time.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I was wondering if people, uh, those that are listening, wanted to connect with you. How would they be able to do that um, either through a website, uh, emails? How, how would you like people to find out more about all the, the great work that you guys do?
0: So our website is currently going redevelopment, but is up right now. It's called www.grownextdoor.com you'll we'll be able to find an email sign-up link towards the top where they will be tapped into our email newsletter. We're currently doing some volunteer opportunities in South Florida in conjunction with the Boy Garden um, and Martin Compost, and we hope to expand those garden installations to different cities as well as expand northward as well.
1: Great. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for talking to us today. We really, really appreciate all of the uh, information that you've provided. I know that you know our listeners are going to be you know, looking forward to learning more about Grow Next Door and, you know, over the years, how it's expanding and and really doing a lot of great work in the in the community, especially down in South Florida. We really appreciate, uh, you know, you taking the time and talking to us.
0: Thank you so much. And honestly, platforms like yours, is, it gives me hope because this is just a matter of us getting our voices out, you know, a piece to a larger puzzle. So as long as we share that innovation and inspiration, I think we're on the right track. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support.